I am so glad you could join us. I'm your host, Mo Gaudat. This podcast is nothing more than a conversation between two good friends sharing inspiring life stories and perhaps some nuggets of wisdom along the way. This is your invitation to slow down with us. Welcome to Slow Mo. It is such a joy, such a pleasure to introduce to you my guest for this week. I'm sure you know him. I'm sure you've heard his music. I'm sure you love what he does. The incredible composer and pianist Lodovico Einaudi. I believe, I think it's actually probably true that he is the most renowned classical musician of our time. Lodovico has 15 studio albums. I think more than 80 films and TV shows that he had uh, score music for. He's one of the most prolific composers alive today, repeatedly tops the classic music charts globally. One in 10 classical music streams in a place like the UK, for example, today is his music. So one of every 10 minutes of classical streams that are played is his, which adds up to, I think, 1 million streams a day and over 2.4, 2.5 billion streams in total. He is by far the most played classical artist in that sense of all time. Lodovico's latest album is an absolute experience that you cannot miss. It's called Underwater, and it flew naturally out of him during the pandemic, which I think is an experience that we both align on very strongly because he felt that his ability to deep dive and sort of swim freely without interruptions, without travel, without the, you know, rush of touring or meetings and so on, allowed him to go and build something that stems from that experience, from being allowed to live the life that we're supposed to live as humans. And when you listen to the album, and it is fantastic, you absolutely have to listen to it, you would feel that time is almost stopping, that the music is hypnotic in a way. It takes you just away from that crazy life that we live. And as you can imagine, I think it would be the best possible soundtrack you can think of for slow-mo, for a life that is in slow-mo, if you want. So I'll ask you to consider doing this while you listen today. I'll, I'll ask you to try and play some of uh, Ludovico's music in the background of our conversation. I will attempt in our conversation to dive deep into his thoughts, into his beliefs, into his story. But I think if you really want to feel his soul, perhaps play his music in the background of this conversation. I cannot tell you how long I've been looking forward to this. While we may not be talking about things that we can grasp logically, if you've ever seen Lodovico perform and how much feeling and emotion he puts in his music, you would know for certain that this is going to be a very deep and very connected conversation that could probably shed light on a different way that we can go through life. Lodovico in Audi. Thank you so much for being here. It is amazing. Uh, I'm a big fanboy, as of course most of the world is. So uh, it's just a total honor to be with you. Thank you. Thank you. So I want to start by, I want to talk about you a lot and understand how does someone become like you. But I want to start by saying what I feel when I listen to your music. Okay. Because I feel this is the whole thing. It's not something happening in my head or, you know, noises that I'm hearing. It's not something I dance to. Okay. It's something that I feel every, especially your last album. I think your experience is very similar to mine in terms of finding yourself finally not traveling. And I could feel a lot. How do you make your music make me feel things? I mean, how can music actually make anyone feel at all? Yes, this is a, a very interesting, uh, but also very difficult uh, question to answer <laughs> to. Uh, because uh, 
Of course, uh, for me, making music, uh, it has, uh, it's about, uh, it's all about feeling. Of course, uh, when you are creating music, uh, you arrive from a, a long uh, process. I personally come from a long uh, life into music where I have uh, been uh, listening to, to music from different uh, cultures, different uh, moments uh, in the history of music, from contemporary to, to the past. And uh, the, I think in, uh, if uh, the world of, uh, of music, the world of sounds interests uh, someone and you are touched by music when you are growing up uh, and, and you listen to music, you start to, to naturally select what music is talking to you. And you start to listen to maybe a band or a composer or, or a singer that uh, is able to, to enter and, and to talk to your um, soul in a way. And uh, um, doing this uh, you, without even uh, knowing exactly how, but uh, you start to select uh, certain music, certain melodies, certain harmonies, certain rhythms that uh, you store in, in your memory. And, uh, and when, you, um, when you start to, to create music, you, you go to that storage and you, in your memory you have uh, some harmonic uh, ideas that are coming from probably, you don't know exactly because this storage is like a, it's like a room that you have inside that is uh, all, uh, in a way, melted uh, together. Uh, yeah. It's not exactly a place that is uh, in order. You have some... Uh, organized, yes. Uh, it's not organized. But the beauty of this, uh, this organization that you have inside is that uh, the harmonies and, uh, and the melodies and all this information, they start to to melt uh, together and, uh, and uh, they start to create a sort of dialogue inside. They work internally inside you. And, uh, That's so beautiful. This, I mean, this is interesting also for me because it's uh, the, the first time I'm saying uh, this. It's a new idea that I, I'm telling you. And then, of course, uh, there is uh, you, me, uh, or whoever is uh, in the desire, in the, in the act of uh, making music that uh, has different motivations, has different uh, desires. Uh, and uh, sometimes uh, it's also difficult to understand uh, also why you are doing something uh, and why you are doing something different uh, or something else. I think I have... Uh, memories about music and I think part of this uh, storage of music that I was talking about uh, comes uh, first from the music that my mother was playing uh, at home on an um, upright piano. She was an amateur pianist. She was uh, married with my father and she had three children and uh, I, so I was there with uh, two sisters. And uh, every day, without uh, any particularly fixed uh, hour, mostly every day, she was playing uh, some classical music, uh, some uh, at the piano, she was playing uh, Chopin, Bach, she was playing Schumann. And uh, she was playing also some, uh, I remember um, she had a book of uh, French children's songs that she was playing for us. And uh, this was like uh, a sort of fireplace, always on in the house. So it was like an aura of music and aroma that was uh, like uh, the smell of jasmine that you can have uh, when you are 
in a house uh, in the summer with the open windows that uh, with the wind, uh, the smell of jasmine comes inside or, or other beautiful smell from other plants in a Mediterranean garden. And uh, so the, the, I started to to feel, uh, I don't know if I'm, I'm too slow in the, in the, in the detail of Not things. Not at no, all. Okay. It's such okay. a beautiful explanation. Okay. Absolutely. And, uh, and so these uh, aromas of music, uh, they, similarly to the aromas that you start to learn in your life uh, when you are a child and uh, that uh, at the beginning you... You smell the sage and the rosemary, but you don't know their names. And uh, you start to realize after a few years, maybe, that uh, this is uh, the aroma of the sage that you have started to feel unconsciously. And then you, you realize that, uh, yes, it's the sage that I love. And uh, I love also the thyme and, uh, and the mint. And this was uh, also similarly was uh, the piano of my mother that I started to to listen to unconsciously from my room to this sound that was slightly filtered from the walls of the house. Sometimes I was there with her, but uh, it was like a, a sound that was uh, coming from somewhere. And... Um, I remember one day sitting in my room, uh, I was probably on my bed uh, reading something and I, I stopped and I, I started to listen consciously to the music. And I said uh, to myself, well, I love uh, this piece of music. I feel uh, really that uh, there is something very emotional connected to this music that makes me almost cry. And, uh, and I remember it because uh, usually when, when you're um, a little boy, your emotions are very simple. Uh, sometimes uh, you are very happy. <laughs> sometimes you are fighting with your sister or playing with your friends and uh, the opposite. But uh, the more subtle emotions, they, they arrive later, usually. And music was, uh, to me, the first uh, thing that uh, gave me such a strong emotion. So from that, uh, uh, I don't remember exactly if I'm talking uh, about um, when I was eight, nine years old, or, or even around the time, I think. And um, so from around this uh, story, my mother also was... Uh, I'm always talking about my mother because my father was uh, into books. He was uh, <laughs> not very interested in, in music in all his life. And he was a publisher, but uh, so he was very interested in books, maybe in in the art in general, but not specifically in music. So my mother was the one uh, in the house that uh, also started to play um, long playings, vinyls on records. And uh, she was not uh, only playing classical music, but she was, uh, well, sometimes she was playing operas that I was not uh, so much uh, in love with. But at the same time, she made me discover uh, rock music because uh, she was very open. And she, I, I remember she started to play uh, the Rolling Stones, uh, Bob Dylan. Uh, Hello. <laughs> yeah. I did not know that about you. <laughs> uh, no, okay, okay. No, no. We, uh, so at eight uh, years old, I asked to my parents to buy me a guitar because I wanted to play the Beatles. So they, they gave me a, a guitar, and, and guitar was uh, uh, an instrument that I enjoyed playing for many years. So uh, actually, for a time, it was the, the, the instrument that I enjoy more to play, because I could play with friends, uh, I could take it uh, 
everywhere and uh, I could be on the beach uh, or traveling uh, with my guitar, it was easy. And uh, at the time uh, in the 60s, early 70s, uh, the guitar was the instrument that everyone wanted to play. Wanted, everyone yeah. was, yeah, and it was the yeah. instrument. So I really enjoyed um, playing guitar and, uh, and playing, uh, uh, exchanging uh, the chords with my friends. Uh, we were, were playing uh, all the music uh, from Jimi Hendrix uh, to Donovan, uh, to all the pop hits, uh, rock hits, uh, of a certain uh, very elevated level of the time, because, uh, I mean, the music of the time was very high, the level of the musical level. Are there any videos of you anywhere in the world playing those things? I think the world would die. No, any of uh, guitar. <laughs> I, no. think, I think the world will, we, we will get hundreds of millions of people queuing to see you play Jimi Hendrix. Okay. <laughs> Maybe I, I should make, uh, one day I should make an album of uh, my covers. With the guitar. Yes, <laughs> yes, and 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 remember, this idea started here. Okay, yeah, <laughs> that would be yeah. that would change the world. <laughs> okay, so 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 you played the guitar. I I actually played the guitar as well at eight, right? Ah, okay. Uh, but look at me now. I mean, <laughs> look at me. I'm 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 no. I still play the guitar. <laughs> you still you still play the guitar. So, so what? I play not as often as I did, of course, because of most of my travel, but, and actually my heart now is a lot more in a different kind of art, even though there, is, there are lots of analogies to how you described the beautiful metaphor of the scents of different herbs and how that plays music and creates memories. My mom was into books very much. So interestingly, when you said your dad was into books, my mom was a, an avid reader. And so knowledge and learning became my thing. And I actually, as you were telling the story, I was remembering, again, the emotions and the aha moments that I would get when I read certain things and how I use that in my writing today. It's so beautiful the way you described it. The interesting thing for me is that so I had a guitar and I had books in my life, okay? You had a guitar and you had books in your life, but we diverged into two very different arts, right? You ended up being the amazing you with your piano and your beautiful music. And I ended up writing and, you know, getting into a, a very different place. And it's interesting to think why, you know, why would someone follow one path and another one would, would follow the other? Absolutely. It's uh, probably, uh, for me, the world of uh, my father that was, uh, in a way, very, uh, in, somehow, for certain aspects, very fascinating, because uh, I can remember him opening uh, a book and touching uh, the paper. The paper. And feeling and sensing uh, the quality of the paper, also smelling the glue of the book. So it's it's also a physical uh, relation with the yeah, very with, sensual. Yeah, very very yeah. sensual. He, I remember he was touching the books to feel if they were right to him. So there was a sort of uh, in the way the book was uh, packed uh, that was manufactured. He needed to have also like a a physical uh, and aesthetical approach to the object. Not only, it was not only the content of the book. It was... Uh, yeah, not the words, yeah. yeah not, not, not the words, but he needed to have also aesthetically, an aesthetic satisfaction from what he was doing. And so he was spending a lot of uh, time uh, discussing with the art director the, for the graphic working with the artist to look for the possible different uh, images uh, to use uh, on the covers. Uh, so all the details, uh, of course, uh, of the book were very important. I would say that knowing my father, he was, uh, he was managing a very sophisticated group of intellectuals around him, writers like, I don't know, you probably know for sure, Italo Calvino is one of the main um, figures of uh, literature in Italy mm -hmm, mm -hmm. after the war. 
and uh, many books are um, translators also in English. Many, I think every uh, all, the, all of these books are, are been translated. Uh, and uh, Italo Calvino, Primo Levi, that was uh, coming from uh, the tragedy of uh, uh, the experience in Auschwitz. Cesare Pavese, and I could name uh, a lot that were working closely with him in a way for publishing their books, but on another level to work with the company to uh, select other books from other writers around the world. So uh, my father, I think it's important just to define why I didn't go in that direction. So my father was managing uh, and uh, he was very, he was listening uh, every Wednesday when they had a meeting uh, in the, around uh, an oval table uh, all together uh, to discuss uh, the new projects. Uh, he was uh, listening carefully and uh, like uh, controlling uh, the, the discussion, the, the battle of different uh, minds that he was listening to, and, uh, and then uh, they were taking uh, decisions. But he was not uh, the kind of publisher that uh, decided to select personally a book because he likes it. So he was not an avid reader. He was more of a, of a business person. Yeah, it's not exactly that, because uh, he loved to be involved uh, in the process of making uh, and uh, he was very able and and good uh, in in finding the right people around him mm. and he was as i said uh, aesthetically extremely refined in the in the way he wanted uh, those uh, that he considered that he knew those books that he he wanted not only for the inside but also for the outside to be highly respected and, uh, and sophisticated. Uh, so he wanted to create a very sophisticated product for a cultural idea that he had, for an, almost an artistic vision that he had about those books. But in the business, he was not very good. At the end, uh, the, the company did not uh, have the problems because uh, the expenses uh, that he was, uh, all the project, they started to become so sophisticated that the, the costs <laughs> were too much. And at the end, uh, they had uh, financial problems. Anyway, I felt that uh, the relation with books uh, was, uh, in a way, overwhelming my person. I was not uh, in the house. I, I didn't feel uh, an access, a natural access to those books. As a child, I felt them too much as monuments rather than being some places where I could, that I could be attracted to open and to read and to, to enter in uh, new worlds and new doors of my possible uh, imagination of a of, uh, new road, of, rather than being places that could open my imagination and elevate myself. While in music, I... I always felt uh, that I was uh, free to to wander, and I didn't. Um, the words of music uh, were more open to interpretation, and in that sense, uh, I could uh, be more free in the world of music. Uh, also. Listening, interpreting uh, what others were telling me with the music, but also when I started to make music, uh, I felt that with music I could be more free to tell, to say everything uh, I wanted without, uh, in a way, uh, the need of having any filters. Because uh, the yeah. the words of music are, you can understand them, but uh, they they. They are not uh, saying exactly what is uh, written in a word. But when you're writing, when you're writing a piece of music, do you actually have a very specific feeling? Like when we talk about Underwater, your your last album, 
the feeling of I am left alone, I'm in peace, I'm deep away from the noises of of the world. Would that be what you think and what you feel before you, your fingers touch the piano? Yes, it's not exactly in the moment, but it's uh, in the time, in a time frame where uh-huh. I, I created Underwater. Underwater was uh, created... Uh, during uh, the, I wrote uh, during the lockdown in between uh, 2020 and 2021. And uh, it, it was a, a time where I personally felt uh, completely at ease in the sense that uh, I enjoyed very much uh, the fact that uh, all the fragmentation of time that uh, we have built in our world where every hour, now we are talking uh, for an hour and it's a luxury because usually uh, when you are talking, when you start to talk to someone and you have an interview or do something, everything is condensed in 20 minutes and 20 minutes, uh, we are already talking uh, since uh, 35 minutes, I think. And, uh, Mm-hmm. And I think, in general, you need time. I think you need time to do things, to dive deep into yeah. into the things. If you write, if you play music, if you do anything, if you also do any kind of work, requires time. And I, I think we have built a system where our time is continually interrupted and fragmented uh, and during that year, 20, uh, 2020 and 2021, I started to, the feeling of not having the horizon. The horizon was only the horizon of the day when the, when the sun goes up and down. And so you have everything uh, at, uh, at your hands and you can decide uh, what to do, what you want to do. I mean, of course, uh, I was... Uh, lucky not to be in the need uh, of uh, earning uh, money every day because uh, I had some storage from the time before. And uh, But uh, that feeling of uh, a time that was uh, again reconstructed uh, in the beauty and in the rhythm of the natural rhythms of the nature of the of uh, what was happening outside started to make me look uh, more deeply and deeply and uh, and to consider uh, to look at the trees uh, at the sky every day in a different way because usually you are uh, so you are working um, you're looking down at your piano or at your computer and you never uh, have uh, the time to look uh, outside, to look at the beauty of uh, how every day the light is so beautiful. And it's uh, every day is like, uh, it's like to go to the, uh, the most beautiful museum <laughs> that you have at your hands. I mean, it just, it just look uh, at where you are and... Uh, Outside, just looking at the sky, at the light, how it changes during the day, it's like being in a, the most beautiful installation that uh, you can have. Uh, so true. You don't need to go to the, necessarily to the, to the museum to, to see it. You have it already. It's so true. I wonder, I mean, everything you say touches me so deeply because I too am in that stage I'm not sure you know, but I I lived a long life in the corporate world before I focused on my topics, happiness, and, you know, my writing in general, this podcast and so on. And there is traces of that corporate world that continues to be in me. Like you rightly said, every hour of my life is interrupted six or seven times. Every conversation is rushed. Every half an hour, a topic is changed. And recently I've been talking to Munir, who is really, really the backbone of my mission and produces this podcast and manages my engagements and so on. And I was saying, can I please live more the life of a creative, right? Where I can combine all of those external engagements with the world in a day or two, maybe three a week, 
and then have a few days a week where I can do exactly what you said, wake up in the morning, feel no time pressure, no, no interruptions, let inspiration come and literally enjoy the museum of life, which is so beautiful in every possible way. But somehow we continue to fail to do this. It's really quite interesting, especially at this time, and I don't know what your feeling is, but at this time, as life is starting to come back fully, I'm being pulled back heavily into traveling and into meetings and into talks and so on and so forth, which sort of resemble concerts for you. This is what I do. I, I go out and I talk to people and attend events and so on. And it's actually quite hard to stop that flood of the modern world invading your life. Yeah. How are you dealing with that? In fact, I was uh, really hoping uh, that uh, we uh, would have uh, learned something. Yeah, right. By uh, that experience. And also, also in respect uh, with the environment, because uh, I think uh, we saw that... Uh, with the impossibility of flying, uh, we saw that the, the sky were started to be more clean uh, and everywhere I, there were signs of nature reborning. But uh, I think, uh, as you said, the, the world uh, is not... Uh, I mean, I was wrong because uh, the world is uh, coming back exactly. If not, it's not worse than before. And now, uh, I mean not talking about uh, what we are facing now in uh, Ukraine, uh, that is uh, something that uh, I I could not imagine that we could face again a situation like that uh, in, in our world, of suffering, of uh, people dying, uh, and uh, it's really something that is uh, insane, and uh, I'm really... Totally insane. Yeah. So... Uh, it's very difficult. I mean, I started again uh, recently. In the last uh, year, I, I started to play concerts again. I started last uh, summer in Italy with a tour that was more made uh, with a soft uh, approach because we, uh, we made a tour traveling in Italy and playing in uh, national uh, reserve uh, parks where the people could arrive uh, walking to the concerts. And uh, so it was a chance to to see, to be inside uh, nature in in spectacular places around Italy, to enjoy music and nature together. uh, It's a beautiful experience uh, because uh, also I love to be uh, in in these places and and my music... uh, it's always uh, inspired by by things that I see. Yeah, it fits perfectly, honestly. Yeah. And uh, so we were like uh, touring with the uh, campers and uh, almost like a nomad, uh, oh, nomadic nice. uh, yeah, vibe. Uh, and uh, with a group of people that uh, I work with uh, many years and it, it feels almost like a family. It's like a group of uh, friends more than a group of people that are working. And so the the vibe is very like a family. Uh, We enjoy the time we spend together and everyone is doing uh, his uh, different uh, work to make uh, the things happen. But uh, the vibe is very friendly and human. And this is a group of people that I... I say it because it's very important for me to to work with the same people because I I need, especially after this experience of uh, the lockdown, I need to be with people that I like to be with and I enjoy the company. And uh, I don't like uh, to be disturbed from this uh, sensation of uh, relations. I... I tend to to stay with with them and uh, and uh, of course uh, if there's someone that I, I I'm meeting uh, is fine but uh, it's not uh, I don't want to feel uh, alienated in the world that is very easy when you start to travel and you it's a sensation that I don't like at all to experience anymore but of course uh, I still enjoy very much the moments uh, of the performance 
it's a magic moment, it's a magic uh, experience. And uh, also, I think uh, I have, uh, in a way, the respect uh, for people that cannot travel everywhere. And uh, I know that sometimes I have to go to them and they, they can arrive uh, to my concert, but I, I need to travel a bit still. So this is why I, I'm still, uh, I have decided to, to go back uh, on the road. And I have, uh, if you have uh, also the possibility uh, to refine what you are really looking for, so you, you can travel, I can travel with my piano and uh, my, the sound that I really, I'm able to express yeah. in a concert is really the sound that I want. So I'm creating something that is strongly connected with me and the result that goes across, that goes outside, is really what I have in mind. So it's a beautiful exchange that I, I'm able to... It's a beautiful gift that I'm able to, to give every night to the people that come to the shows. And, and they give me... At the end, uh, a lot of they celebrate this gift uh, in a beautiful way with the recognition, the applause. That's so beautiful. I mean, talking of travel, I, I must say, following you for years, the most beautiful trip you've ever done was when you performed on the iceberg in the Arctic for Greenpeace. And it also, I think it's not just the music where I always feel that I know you, right? When I listen to your music, but I think the beauty of who you are as a human and your concern for the environment and your attempt to tell the world to wake up, I think this is really, really, really beautiful. And I, you've been an advocate for the environment since I've known about you, but where do you think we are and what do you think should be done? I'm also an avid activist, if you want, I tend to say, bluntly because I'm not as sensitive as you are that we're running out of time and that we absolutely need to change what humanity is doing. But it doesn't seem to be changing and it doesn't seem to be, you know, reversing, which is really what we need. What's your position on that? Well, I, I feel exactly the same. We are, I'm happy that we are sharing some of uh, similar um, feelings and ideas uh, regarding different topics. And uh, regarding this topic, uh, I am astonished to see that uh, there is a lot of talk, but uh, the real uh, thing uh, doesn't happen. The real uh, decisions uh, are not uh, creating the right uh, results that we need uh, at this stage, I think. I mean, technically, yeah. I don't know. I understand uh, that is a huge uh, problem. Sometimes I, I wonder if uh, we, we have become too many in, in our planet and uh, the problems... I don't uh, think so. I don't think so. I think we're just abusive. The reality is nature had more than us in terms of beings before we arrived, right? So the animal kingdom was much larger in numbers than us. And yet it didn't harm the environment as much. It's just we're very abusive, I think that's yeah. the problem. Yes, uh, we are abusive and we, we don't care about uh, using uh, our planet and uh, we, don't, we don't care. I mean, we think that uh, what we have uh, here in our houses uh, we have it for free, but it's not. I mean, we are consuming something that is uh, coming from um, the other part of the world. Uh, and uh, we just, uh, I think we just don't care. And this is, uh, and then I, I laugh when I see the, in Glasgow that uh, all the, the people that are going there to discuss, they come with private jets. And they, uh, yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, how ironic. <laughs> yes, it's very ironic. Yeah. The avidity of uh, the humans that uh, we tend, uh, I say we because I'm, uh, I don't feel the same, but I'm part of the same uh, group of animals. But uh, the, um, 
the tendency is uh, always looking first at the economic uh, reasons and everything else comes in, in second step. Yeah. The second that, level is the yeah. second level. So if uh, your view is your vision is the economy first, I think you will never arrive to a point where you, you could invert the tendency. I mean, probably there could be um, a sort of uh, level of economy where everything uh, is balanced, uh, is more... But you have to slow it down. You have to consume less. Your needs, uh, they need to be less. And you have to be, you know, probably a little more poor of in what... But at the end, uh, in your life, you don't need so all the gadgets that we use, consume, throw away every day. And uh, I think it, it could be just a different uh, approach of life that uh, we could all switch into without losing uh, so much. Yeah. But it's very difficult to, to change, I think. Uh, I don't know. I'm starting to be not so positive uh, regarding uh, looking at that uh, problem. I believe nature will find a way. I mean, it, it will come with a little bit of pain, but I think humans are coming very close to a point where we're going to have to be forced to change. The challenge, in my view, Lodovico, is that I try so hard. I was actually looking at my recycling bin today, and that thing fills up every week. And I'm trying so hard. I'm trying so hard not to pick products that have plastic in them, trying so hard to reduce single-use plastic. But it's just the way the world is designed is just incredibly geared, as you rightly said, to economic growth and selling products and so on. Even if you want to, it's not that easy, right? At the end of the day, I'm trying so hard to not travel. But believe it or not, whether I travel or not, the jet plane is going to take off anyway. Okay. Of course, I play my role by as much as I can. I mean, KLM, for example, is one of my favorite airlines where at least they allow me to buy a carbon offset for how I fly. But most others don't even care. It's like, you know, it's part of life, part of economy. There is a problem coming, but it's going to come later and hit someone else. And I don't understand how humans are thinking that way. And also, uh, if you start to, to say that, that you don't want to go... They start to look at you like you are um, a weird person, like that you are crazy and uh, you're starting to get old. I do that all the time, believe it or not. So actually, every time someone approaches me now, I say, can we do it virtually? And, you know, I don't mind if, you know, if it's a paid engagement, for example, I'll say, I'll take half, no problem. If the idea is that I want to be spreading a certain message around innovation or around artificial intelligence or around my topics, happiness and, 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 and so on, I don't need to be there in person. I really don't. And often I object and push back and say, seriously, why go halfway around the world? But still, when this episode airs next week, I will be on my way to Miami, then Curacao, then Colombia, then uh, Saudi Arabia, 12 days before I can come back here. And I'm not saying that to complain. I'm, I'm actually sort of angry with myself but we still do it anyway. And uh, yes, it's also the fact that uh, we need uh, to preserve our, our environment, our body, our soul also. It's all about, uh, I think, uh, um, I mean, I, I love to be in a way an abstract person. I love to stay even if I do things, uh, I mean, uh, my abstraction has become my job. And this is uh, my description of uh, and my connection with the aroma of the sage and uh, the rosemary and the thyme has become uh, the way I express myself, the way I, I point to the people that is important to to smell the sage and to look at the sky and uh, to listen to a sound. And this is, uh, I think it's very precious. It's something that uh, we should never forget about it. It's, yeah, the, it's, essence, it's, it's uh, the essence of our life. 
because it's the most beautiful thing that we can do in, in our life, uh, to go by a river and to look at the water passing by and to run into a field of grass uh, and to look at the tree and uh, to experience uh, uh, all those beauty that we have in the world. And the rest is distraction. The rest is uh, something that uh, is just trash. Truly is. Yeah. It's a replacement. It's a replacement for not being able to live that life. You get yourself into the city and the undergrounds and the buses and the busy life of work and so on and so forth. You get away from that beautiful connection to, to the real life, to nature, to the sky, to the beauty around you. And what do you need? You need the distraction because that's the only way you can survive without what you need most. I think it's a spiral somehow, right? You get into it and the further you get away from nature, the more you need other distractions that take you further away from nature. It's, it's quite interesting when you think about it. But if what you're trying to do is to tell people that, Ludovico, I think you're doing a very, very, very good job. Because my way of doing it is I, I tell people partly through this podcast that regardless of how busy your life is, there's always a bit of time to slow down. If I ever think of a soundtrack for slowing down, it would be you. It would be your music. It would be really played on headphones when I'm doing absolutely nothing but enjoying the beauty of what you create. Hopefully with the beauty of the sky or the beauty of a tree or the beauty of a, a butterfly. And I think it fits so well. You do it so well. You literally force my entire being to slow down. It's, it's incredible, really. And, and I thank you for that. Great uh, to hear your words. Also, I think it's uh, sometimes it's similar to cooking. For example, <laughs> the time that, uh, for example, when I prepare the carrots, and I, I prepare the carrots uh, for my daughter. She loves my the grated carrots. And uh, I do it with my hands. I grate them with the hands. And it's hard because uh, it, it takes more time. And it's, uh, but the result compared to the machine is uh, another... Le it's like you are eating the carrots. It's yeah. like uh, the most beautiful... Uh, when they are doing by hands, it's the most beautiful uh, thing that you can eat because uh, the way they keep uh, the moisture, moisture, the, 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 the taste, the flavor, it's another planet. It's not comparable. But uh, I mean, this is uh, an example to how you can do things in your life. It takes more time, but it's much better. So uh, even uh, when I am recording my piano and uh, I go to a studio and uh, and I spend maybe one day to, to test uh, the microphones because uh, sometimes they look at me like I'm, I'm a crazy guy because I spend so much. I, for them, it's like wasting time that is cost because uh, you go to a studio and every hour yeah. you spend money. But then, uh, I mean, the result uh, is different because you really you are testing the microphone because every microphone has a specific color and you have to choose the color that you you want and uh, and if you you go to a studio and you and you start to to play with the first microphone they give you could go well but uh, it's not uh, something that you really have uh, digested so you really oh my god it really it's takes time it's incredible how you describe things it really is incredible. I mean, we spoke about color, about scent, about taste, about moisture, about flavor. I thought we were going to talk about music, which to most of us is sound, but the way you equate it to all of those experiences is just incredibly beautiful, really. I mean, I think I'm going to end up listening to all of your work again after this conversation, and I will probably sense it very differently because now I realize that this is what you put in it. It's not just clicks, are they called clicks on the keys of the piano? It's your soul put through it. Yeah, it's more uh, exactly that. So it's uh, in the piano, I, I can uh, blend all these uh, different uh, things that I love to do because uh, 
I love to, and, and, and all the experiences, it's not just uh, music, it's not just about music, but it's about uh, all your life. And uh, life is made of the things that you love to, to do, that, uh, about uh, the people that uh, you love to be with. And uh, the only difficult task is to arrive to introduce all those uh, things into a piece of music that sometimes requires some uh, time. <laughs> yeah, for most of us, it, it requires eternity, but for you, it requires time. But I have to say, it's, I think, worth the time. I think you're enriching the lives of billions with the beautiful, beautiful, beautiful soul that you put out there in the world. It's just amazing when I hear it from your words, not from, not just from your music. It's uh, in the introduction, I was suggesting to the listeners to play your music in the background of this conversation, because I basically said, I'm going to try and investigate his story, his thoughts, his beliefs. But if you want to touch his soul, listen to the music in the background. And I, I know that this actually turned out to be true. It's, it's your soul in those keystrokes. So beautiful, really. Great. Thank you. So I'm, I will finish with this. I would talk to you for hours, to be honest, but in respect of your time, I am so grateful, so grateful for coming to talk to me today, for sharing yourself so beautifully with all of us. And I thank you for all the work that you do. And I thank you for being so human in everything that you do. It really is what we need most in the world. Thank you. It was a beautiful conversation and uh, I, I will keep it as a memory for the new things that I had the chance to, to say with you. And, uh, Thank you. And I will uh, keep following your, your work. Thank you very much. And for all of you listening, I know you've been touched, your hearts have been touched as much as mine has been today. This has been an amazingly beautiful, sensual, wonderful conversation in so many ways and uh, truly worth slowing down to be part of it. Please share this with others. I think so many need to understand how life should be lived and how a slower life can actually lead you to a place where you create what can enrich the lives of billions. I love you all for listening and I will see you next time.